Rock and Salk. I don't read the internet, guys. Presented by Carter, Volkswagen, and Ballard. Take the bull by the hands. On Seattle Sports. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. And Brooke Wire. You are. And Brooke, you are. Now here are your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Salk. A lot of people excited about the idea of a Brock and Salk paintball challenge, although 425 says there'd be no challenge in hunting you. You guys stink. <laughs> All right. I mean, like. I believe that was specifically to you. Oh, it said, I it said you suck. I will be going after oh, the great Puyallup turkey hunter Brock. All right. Well, yeah. No kidding. Will you okay. think I do this for a living? Like <laughs> okay, every so once in a while, I've done I it mean, once in my life. Which is better? We're going to get to it here in a second. But yeah. I'm just looking at it to put together this Brock and Salk paintball yeah. extravaganza, all for charity. Okay, if you want to be one of the hundred to come join me. Are you and I going to agree on a charity? <laughs> sure. We can. Yes, we find common ground. All right. I see a paintball station up in Mount Vernon. Yeah. That's an indoor. Okay. No, you don't uh, want to do see, indoor. You want to be I outside. I mean, I see Doodlebug Sports Outdoor Paintball yes. Park. I've seen I the mean, KC Crusaders. We got a text about that. And the Doodlebug Sports. I think you want to be outside, though. I outdoor think. Paintball Park in Snohomish? Yeah. I think yeah. you want to. I've done it outdoors, and, like, you know, yeah. it's crazy because they'll have, like, you know, forts and stuff to defend ooh, and ooh, tunnels ooh, to ooh, crawl ooh, through oh, oh, and all that. What? Nope, I got it right here. Oh, I'm you found it. it. I found it. Okay, where are we going? Yeah, Joint Base Lewis McCord. <laughs> they have it there? They do. Oh, my God. Then yeah, we go play the home course and we're done. Sounds yes. like an ideal day. Dude, paintball in the morning, golf in home the afternoon. course in the afternoon. Well, let's, let's go. Let's rock and roll. I think our bosses feel about you announcing this on air. Ah, don't worry about it. We, we haven't even planned it yet. So let's do a little which is better. Paintball, golf, which is better. Golf is better. You sure? Yes. I mean, I've done golf many times. I've done paintball once. I think there's a reason I keep going back to one and not the other. Are you ready for a little which is better? I got a lot of which is better questions for you today. Brock, which is better? Bryce Miller or Brian Wu? Oh, Bryce Miller. Yeah, I kind of agree on that. I like Brian Wu, though. I enjoy I watching do. him. I like is his he, fastball. Is his secondary stuff good? I don't know. I didn't see any. I'd kind Correct. of like to see what it is <laughs> yes. before I make that decision. I mean, that's the thing with Bryce Miller that yeah. has been so impressive. Yeah. I mean, it's not all the yeah. way there. Well, don't you pass on me. Yeah. <laughs> secondary stuff on both those guys. I'd like to see a little more development of some of those other pitches because right now, you know what they both look like? Relievers. <laughs> I'd kind of like to see them look like George mm-hmm. Kirby, Logan Gilbert starters, which I think they can pull off. But right now, they're kind of doing it with one. You know pitch. what I do kind of like, though? Kind of like Gilbert and Kirby are distinctly different humanoids. Those two are, too. Wu is like your Southern California, San Luis yep. Obispo, and Miller is Texas. Texas. Yes. For sure. Yeah, I yes. do like that. All right. Which is better, Brock? And I've been. I think there's a very clear answer to this question, but I'll throw it out there. Which is better? Milk chocolate? Dark chocolate or semi-sweet chocolate? Uh, I'm a milk chocolate guy. Dark chocolate, good for the brain, they say. Terrible for the taste and the palate. No, thank you. And I guess you're going to probably go semi-sweet. I don't even think it's close. Semi-sweet blows the other two out of the water. Dark chocolate all the way. Dark chocolate's good. I like dark. I mean, look, I like all three. Milk chocolate by itself hurts your teeth. It's too sweet. It's disgusting. Mm-hmm. Semi-sweet, though, is perfect. Just get me a bunch of semi-sweet chocolate chips. That's dessert. <laughs> the most underrated chocolate by far is semi-sweet. Brock, when you were saying, what did you say about dark chocolate? Good for what? Your good brain. for the brain. Okay. 
for a minute, I thought you were going bad with like, the, the confession thing. Bad for the reputation. <laughs> yeah, bad for the reputation. Good for the brain, bad for the reputation. Yes. <laughs> Which is better, Jake Bobo or D. Eskridge? You're into Bobo. And more is into Eskridge. Yeah. I thought you hated Bobo because of the Belmont Hill thing. I do, but, yeah. you know. You can't that's a fake Bobo. hate. That's a, that is a I hate him as a person. Private school, yeah. fake, fake rivalry. I hate, I hate who he's. I hate what he's about. <laughs> but that doesn't mean he's not better than D. Eskridge right now. I mean, we it's can all mouth. agree that D. Eskridge is more athletically gifted. Yeah, right? who, which oh, is better? The question yeah. isn't who's more athletically gifted. I'm which is D. better? Yeah, of course you are, Brock. Which is better? Oh, you haven't really seen him yet. Oh, I've, I called UCLA games. I watched him practice. I, I he's, you know, he, he is a poor man's Ed McCaffrey. Yeah. And McCaffrey did not run like his son runs. And what's D. Eskridge? A poor man's Percy Harvin. Combined with C.J. Prosize. <laughs> yes. I like Unfortunately. that well, Percy was hurt a lot, too, now. I guess that's true. He wasn't, he wasn't real available. Which is better, the Las Vegas Golden Knights or the Denver Nuggets? Oh, the Nuggets. By a thousandfold. 47 years. Did you just not listen to anything the Joker said about paying your dues, climbing the mountain, going through peaks and valleys? What are the nights? They, they, year two, they're in the Stanley Cup finals. Yeah. Get out of here. They won it six years. Isn't that great? Rashad Penny, 10 years. You privileged Wait. expansion team that the rules had to be changed for Fake for fans. our expansion team. Get out of here. Did you say, you know, Mountain High enough or, you know, or Mount? Which would you say there? I, I think, yeah, probably Mount. Right, so climbing the mountain, or did you say climbing the mountain? I just want to make sure, just for the record. Gotcha. When we got there, uh-huh. which is mountain. better, Mora, Snoop, or Dre? Uh, <laughs> I love them both. I'm gonna go that? Dre though, because Dre's produced a bunch of songs too. I feel like he's brought more to. The music. What do you make He's of? He's probably brought more to the pop culture. Snoop's what? the busiest guy in show business. I was just because this is what actually brought this question up. Is Snoop is in so many commercials, right? He's doing yeah. Jack in the Box. He's doing Corona. Corona. He's like he's everywhere. And I was just thinking to myself, could you have imagined in like 1991 or whatever it was that Snoop was going to be on like back to back commercials for different products during sporting Thinking events? About murder, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yes, right. he's doing like. Yeah, murder was the case in some of the early stuff. I'm a little biased on this. Did I tell you the story about Snoop? I had a friend over from ESPN, great guy. Ty was asking different questions, and he was in charge of bringing all the celebrities around, you know, to the car washes. So he was the connector. So he's met everybody through his decades there. And I think Ty just asked him, like, who was the most difficult? Snoop? Uh, uh, Yeah. What? Uh, Yeah. Why? Uh, Well, Snoop, you can't smoke weed in the green room, number one. Number two... (laughs) You've got to be on this. You know, we got this next show to get to. I'm done. He was just like, I'm done. I'm done with the car wash. I'm out. And they're like, uh, if you uh, invite uh, Snoop anywhere, you just assume that he's going to uh, be smoking. Yeah, you're getting. Uh, 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 but the sponsors, it, 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 like his agent and his, all of his handlers, like Snoop, you can't leave. The an- he's like, Snoop's out. The answer is Snoop. <laughs> and, and Snoop's just naturally funny in addition to being talented. Do you remember the old Craig Kilborn? When Craig Kilborn first hosted um, Daily? after he left The Daily Show. He was the host of the Craig Kilborn show briefly on CBS. And he used to do that five questions thing. He had Snoop on for one of the first episodes. I will never forget it. Right. And it was sort of like this. He would say, like, which is better? And Snoop would have to answer the questions. And one of the two questions that I'll always remember were, 
uh, who is the greatest power forward of all time, Larry Bird or or um, some or Dr. J? And Snoop's like Julius Irving. He's like, oh, I'm sorry, we're really going for Larry Bird, Dr. J. Craig Kilborn turns around and goes, yeah, actually, we can accept that. We'll go with Dr. J. And he goes on. Then he goes, all right, which is better, ring-dings or ho-hos? Snoop just goes, ho-ho. I mean, it's just perfect. Snoop's the best, just man. Up for him. He's so funny. I thought you picked Dre with your love for Eminem, because I don't know if you get Eminem without Dre. Dre's awesome, but I'm going to go with Snoop. Sorry. We got a uh, suggestion here from the 619, which is better, Freddie Mercury. <laughs> or Mozart. <laughs> Or Freddie Mercury. Mercury. <laughs> Mercury or Mozart? It's a tough pick. Which is better? Golf or Vanderpump rules? Oh, that's easy. <laughs> what is Vanderpump rules? <laughs> it's very important, Brock. You have to it this is what we do on Friday when you're not here. We get caught up with Stacy on what's going on with Vanderpump rules and who's cheating on whom. Interesting. Yeah. Which is sort of the same as golf. What do you think of Jay Monahan? Now he's got a medical That's event. True right now, it's, they're both sagas. <laughs> they are. That's why I compared them. Nervous breakdown. Right? You think that's yeah, what it was? Panic attack or oh, something. Stress. After oh, everything yeah. he dealt with? I mean, it's I hate to speculate on that, but yeah, that's. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's not, not funny. It's that's sad. not good. Not good. All right, last one. Which is better? Boye Mafe, Daryl Taylor, or Derek Hall? Hmm. I'm going to go Derek Hall. Really? Go with the potential. Well, the 16 minutes there kind of won me over. As I told you, I'm <laughs> very easily won over. Boye Moffat would win you over, too, though. Have you talked to Boye? Uh-uh. Oh, he'd win you over, too, man. He's a tremendous kid. And that's not a shot at Daryl Taylor, but you would love Boye Moffat. Yeah. All right. Okay. Well, Freddie like shoes. Well, what'd you say? Aim Freddie Mercury. <laughs> I just can't get over that. I thought about it all night last night. Freddie Mercury. <laughs> that is uh, which is better. Good stuff there. Um, poor Freddie Mercury. Yep. All right. <laughs> which is better, mounts or mountains? I mean, people are on that. I, I don't think that rank's ever going to die now. No. Well, they're very different things. I mean, maybe at some point we'll rank mounts, and that would, uh, you know. And you got Ram mounts. Rushmore. Ram yeah, mounts. Mount, mount Rushmore, certainly. Yeah, true. Mount Rushmore. Um, then you could get your Mount Everest if you right, You could to. get the Canadian Mounties mount and all those Jara. things that would okay, kind of fit on Okay, need to know next. Goodbye. I can't wait for my vacation. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. Well, they're certainly not all the way to where they want to be, but for the last week, the Mariners have played better, a better approach at the plate, and yesterday that certainly paid off in terms of results. Now the 1 0 pitch, swing and a well hit ball. Deep to right field, going and going and goodbye baseball. Way back into the lower deck, underneath the hit it here cafe. Cal Raleigh with a three-run blast. Mariners have a 3-0 lead, number nine on the year for Cal. And I'm telling you, that's the way to break out of an old for 21 slump. Holy smokes, what a shot by Cal Raleigh scoring Kelnick and Suarez in front of him. He gets the trident in front of the dugout. And that was a cannon shot. He torched that ball, man. He got absolutely every bit of it. And it's nice to see the runs coming in bunches, right? That was a three-run home run. Ford had a two-run shot. Caballero with a three-run triple. And then throw a little bit of George Kirby in there. And uh, you have a recipe for a lot of success. Kirby was ridiculous last night. Ten strikeouts setting a career high for him. George is really smart. He understands it. 
You know, he's got really good stuff. He's got a good fastball. And if they're getting on your fastball, we're going to mix more. And I thought he and Cal did a really good job. I also think they did a nice job of uh, expanding the strike zone with two strikes. George has given up some hits, 0-2, 1-2. Just, you know, not really putting it the ball in areas where you need to put it to finish guys off and, and giving them a chance. Um, so, again, he executed very well tonight. Uh, but I'm really excited. I thought that was the combination of his pitches is the best we've seen at any point all season. Molly and I had a long walk and talk yesterday about baseball, oh. about the process of baseball Makes and, sense. The, and how it's different than basketball and some of the other sports, how it often is not linear. George Kirby, when he came out of Elon, was a first-round pick. What was what was the bio on George Kirby when he came out of Elon as a first-round pick? Command. Great command, not great, great stuff. Great command, not great stuff. Last night, he surpassed... 99.1, which he threw against the Yankees in the last home outing with a 99.4 mile an hour fastball last night. You know, the the pitching ninja tweet that you retweeted of his, I mean, what is that? A sinker and a... Four-seamer. <laughs> I mean, uh, you're, you're just guessing you're, the, the amount of movement, the amount of command. That was George Kirby is a first-round pick out of Elon sitting, yeah, 92, 94, not elite stuff, never really might be a number one, but great command guy, great command guy. Well, you know what he is now? A great, great command guy with his 10th quality start, second most in all of baseball with electric stuff. Yeah, well, so good on him. He was very good, but it wasn't just him. It was the offensive approach. Scott Service really liked what he saw. Uh, it certainly feels a little different um, just on the production that we've had offensively from different parts of the lineup, everybody contributing. And, um, you know, it feels different in the clubhouse. I think the players understand that, you know, we needed to make some adjustments. We have. Um, we're starting to get the results from it. But we've got to stay with it day after day after day if you grind through it. And, uh, again, I, I've brought this up before, but, you know, the exciting thing for me is we're getting the pressure on the starting pitcher on the other team early in the game. You see the pitch count get up, and all of a sudden you look, it's fourth, fifth inning, and they're gone. And that's a really good sign. That's how we're typical. We're used to playing. You know, we get deep in counts. We take some walks. It's back-to-back nights, uh, you know, single-digit strikeouts by us. Um, it doesn't sound like a big deal. It's a big deal. We're getting the ball in play. Uh, we're just having good at-bats up and down the lineup. Not a, not an end point, but certainly a starting point. Over the course of the last week, they have played better baseball with a better offensive approach. Well, and tonight it will be a fun challenge. Tonight, it's Yuri Perez, the number one prospect in Miami's system, a 6'8", 240-pounder out of the Dominican Republic awesome. that, uh, yeah, sits 97, 98. Well, maybe that'll get Luis Castillo going, right? Maybe there'll be a little challenge there for Castillo, and we get to see the best that Luis has to offer as well. Here's the second thing you need to know. Congrats to the Las Vegas Knights. They win the Stanley Cup in their sixth season, Brock. It was a dominant victory. What, they scored seven goals last night. It was not really ever in doubt. But awesome to see the Stanley Cup out. Awesome to see just all of the pomp and circumstance and tradition that goes with it. And certainly should give you some hope that that hope you know could be around the corner here for us in Seattle. Yeah, not going to lie. I, I, I looked at that trophy differently. I looked at Lord Stanley's Cup and the, and the man with the white hair and the white gloves and getting it all polished up a little bit differently. And when one of the players put his one-month-old baby in it and, and knowing that it sat right there in yep. that studio. Right here. Yeah, it was a little bit different. I will also say because of the Kraken success, I don't know, once the Kraken were out, my engagement level in hockey just went way down. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, yeah, more, more so than in the past where – 
you know, not that they were on that stage, not that they were as good as the Knights. They were not. No. You know, the, the Knights showed you that kind clear. of firepower, and they showed that to you over the regular season when they kind of beat your head in a bunch too. But, yeah, I don't know. It was weird. Once they were out, all of that emotion, hmm. all that fun, all that must-see just kind of went out the window with me a little bit too. All right. Here's the third thing you need to know. Big day for the Seahawks rookies yesterday. No practice. They just canoed instead in Lake Washington. Mike Moore is pretty unimpressed with his fellow rookies. Never again. Never again. I mean, Navy Seals with the next This dude right here, panicking every... Twitching all the time. No, never again. Not with him. Never again. I guess you're not a water guy, huh? No, I like the water. I'm cool with the water. It's just, it's just cold. I know the water's cold because I'm on the West Coast. Y'all ain't got warm water like in Florida. And I didn't want to get wet. And plus, people were twitching and stuff. And I wasn't really trying to get wet. So, uh-uh, never again. That's Mike Bennett. Excuse me, Mike Morris uh, via Bob Condota, who took the video there yesterday, Brock. See that ribbing? That's what I'm talking about, right? That making fun of one another, laughing at one another. You know, that that is... Having, having, being able to have a sense of humor, being able to make fun of one another, poke a little fun at one another. And certainly they did. And I'm sure that picture of Pete Carroll's face is going to be blown up somewhere. <laughs> I would the, hope so. The utter look of fear and terror that was on his face is going to be, it's going to be found somewhere. Uh, if I know the way the Seahawks operate <laughs> and some of those veteran players Good too. Stuff. All right. That is everything you need to know. We do that quarter pass to every hour here on the Brock and Salk show. Uh, we're going to talk to Bruce Feldman coming up here in a minute and got a lot of questions for him. He had a big article on Husky recruiting, kind of what's next for this program, what it looks like for Penix this year. And then just what the heck is going on with the PAC 12? I, I read Pete Thamel this week and, he had kind of contradictory info, right? On one hand, he's like, oh, there's a lot of hope on the university side, but TV people don't see where the money's coming from. Well, <laughs> okay. I'm not sure which to believe. Yep. Um, but, yeah, I understand why both sides are saying it. I just don't know what's going to end up happening. So we'll ask Bruce about that. We'll ask him about the Huskies as well. We'll do it next. Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710CLSports.com. You're listening to Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Good piece here from Bruce Feldman, of course, at The Athletic. He works both there and at Fox Sports, and he's kind enough to join us now here on Brock and Salk. Hi, Bruce. How are you? Good morning, guys. It's been too long. It's good to good to hear your voice. Uh, you did recently write a little bit about what's going on with Washington. Uh, I do want to dig into the Pac-12 and the media rights, and we'll talk some Penix, et cetera, but kind of give us a rundown. Where, where's the program at right now? You know, I, I think it's a legit playoff contender right now. Uh, got a chance to spend some time around the program at the end of the spring and was impressed by what I saw. I think Kellen DeBoer has been a fantastic hire. Um, I think I'm going to see uh, Michael Penix Jr. this week at Elite 11. I think he's supposed to be one of the counselors out there. And I know he's trained in Southern California. So um, I think all signs are really good, the direction of, of Husky football right now. It's an amazing flip of where it was a year ago at this point. How many Kalen DeBoers are out there, Bruce? Great question. I'm guessing... I don't know, Brock, how many guys you know went like 75 and three as a college coach at any level. Um, they're just, those guys, I think for a lot of people, we're sometimes looking for, especially when I say we, I mean me and us uh, in the media are looking for like kind of the sexy hire and maybe a guy who sounds like he's going to wow you at the press conference or 
there's some kind of pedigree that speaks to it, not a guy who was wildly successful at NAIA level um, and then did really well at Fresno and obviously was a good coordinator in the Big Ten. But I just think it's hard for a lot of people, not just media people, but search people and everything, the, the search firms, to kind of pin what that, what that it is about a guy like that. Um, and, I, you know, again, it's – I think he just has a – he's brought a bunch of guys who worked with him for a long time. That's his core guys on that staff. And I think he knows what 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 it needs to look like, right? And I think because of that, I think there's a comfort in that. And, and the players have certainly responded. And, and I think we're going to find out a lot more about him nationally because now there's expectations as opposed to last year coming off of what they were coming off of. Yeah, I would think we'd also find out a little more after this coming year, right? After Penix moves on. I mean, that that's a connection that he had before he got here with Penix from, from their time in Indiana. What happens next when it's, it's sort of the post-Michael Penix era? Yeah, although I will say this, I'm sure it's a lot easier to, to land, a, you know, an elite quarterback recruit whether it's a from high school or the transfer portal when you when that the guy before he's thrown for four thousand yards been a Heisman candidate and you know is likely a first round pick I think that all makes it a lot easier to to convince people right um, I think it's harder to get to that point than it is to to sell it and I certainly think the fact that when Nick Saban wants your offensive coordinator and he decides not to go, and he decides to stay at stay at the place he's at. I think that's another big, big you know, chip in the Huskies and divorce pocket. Bruce Feldman here with us, Fox Sports, the Athletic. Did I hear you right there that the playoffs not expanding this year to twelve? Did I hear you right that you said that this year with still four teams, you believe the the Huskies are a are a legit playoff contender? I do. I mean, look, they win the Pac twelve and they can run the table. Why not? I mean, you had it last year. You saw how good that team was. I felt like the UCLA game, they got, you know, there was a couple of turnovers and they got behind DTR and they were, you know, UCLA was rolling that Friday night. But, you know, like you have, I feel like this is actually a really good year for the Pac-12 on the field. Um, you have a lot of quarterbacks back. You have a lot of firepower. And if somebody can come out of that undefeated, that's a big hit. But even if they don't, even if you're sitting at a 12-1 and one, I think you have you will have a legit argument to you know you look at the other leagues yeah the SEC is, has a good chance to get two teams in the Big Ten can can certainly get you know if if Michigan is as good as we think they are for you know then maybe that but then you look at the rest of the leagues like TCU came out of the out of out of the Big Twelve nobody was expecting that um, I you know I don't think the ACC is any better right now than the Pac-12 is on the field. Uh, so, so why not? You know, again, it's going to take a lot of work. But I think, you know, as long as that, you know, as, as Penix is there, those receivers, I think it's a, I think there's some good big big bodies on the on the defense. You know, you got two really good edge rushers. I mean, I think they have a shot. I've noticed, Bruce, and I can't help but notice that twice when talking about how the Pac-12 was better than people think or better than the ACC, that you you, you certainly dropped on the field 
how come? Yeah, I, I actually caught myself kind of doing that too. And I, <laughs> I don't know, it's the elephant in the room, right? There's a lot of dysfunction around it, but um, I, I think what the on the field part is it's in really good right now. You look at all the guys who came back, all the quarterbacks, a bunch of those guys came back because collect, collectives have stepped up. And obviously Caleb couldn't leave because of, you know, his NFL clock. But I think the, you've seen some really good things happen. The fact that, you know, Dante Moore was the five-star quarterback recruit from the Big Ten footprint who decided to go play for Chip Kelly. I mean, those are, you know, and obviously UCLA and USC are about to leave, so that's not great future-wise. But at least right now, for 2023, there's a lot of positive, I think, that they can, that they can beat their chest about. Now they have to do it on the field, but... There's certainly legit reasons for enthusiasm and optimism. Are, th- are they going to be here as a league after this year? I think they will. You know, like I'm sitting there, you know, I went to conference meetings. I saw Brock at that in Arizona last month. And I'm thinking, okay, you know, if everyone's buzzing about Colorado, they get where they are. Dion's there. They made them uh, very compelling. But at the same time, you know, Colorado football has been atrocious for, and irrelevant for, for the last 20 years. And if Dion does really well, my guess is Dion's not going to be there for more than a couple of years, and then Colorado probably goes back to what it's been. So the idea that all of a sudden Colorado would be some kind of linchpin because they would go, you know, I think as long as you have Oregon, Washington, Utah, um, you know, you have three better football brands than anything the Big 12 has is going to have. So, I, you know, again, I get it. You know, there's there's a lot of uncertainty, and 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 the previous commissioner did not leave the Pac-12 in a good place. But I think there are some legit assets, right? And if you tell me that one of the things they're going to do is they're going to add San Diego State if their numbers are a little depleted. I mean, San Diego State as a as a brand and, and as a, you know they got a new stadium. They have a really good recruiting base. San Diego State could certainly be what the Big Twelve has added with these four programs they've added. So you know, again, I I get why there's why there's angst, but there's there's also like I don't know. A lot of this I look at and I'm like, you know, the we in the media love the realignment story because it gets people you know listening and it gets people you know, reading stories. Um, I don't know. I just think that, ooh, Colorado leaves. And a year ago, if anybody said, oh, Colorado's, you know, Big 12 wants Colorado, you're like, yeah, they've been awful. Why, you know, like, who cares? <laughs> but Dion's there now. He's made them relevant. It's just yep. like, let's see how long Dion's actually going to be there. Uh, our late great friend here at the station, John Clayton, used to say, deadlines spur action. I think we put a lot of these false deadlines. Well, you know, they got the league meetings. Well, you got the, the portal. Well, you got spring football. Well, even the commissioner has hinted that things were going to get done. They're nearing getting done. Bruce, there actually is a legit deadline, right? I mean, they cannot go and have their national media days in Vegas in late July without a deal constructed and in place, can they? No, I would imagine we'll see something this month um, at some point because, you know, as has been reported, I think John Canzano was the first one to put it out there about, you know, that they've tentatively agreed to a grant of rights, which means they've probably seen some kind of some kind of setup, at least 
you know, is, is it a firm deal? No, but I think there's something for them to at least say, okay, this is kind of what it's going to look like. And at least from that standpoint, I think that gives, I think that gives them some light at the end of the tunnel field at where this thing is actually at. Where do you feel the light at the end of the tunnel of college football is at? Bruce, you and I have known each other a long time, you know, and, and I know years ago there was lots of speculation of these super conferences and, and certainly the deconstruction of all of the rules and, and what has now transpired in the NIL world and the transfer world and everything else. What we just saw with Live Golf and the PGA and the Saudi money and everything, like where do you, do you have a, a grasp, a feel, a thought about where this sport that you and I love is going? It's just the change. I mean, the the, tra- the changes of the portal, you know, is huge, right? And the change c- combined with NIL certainly huge. I think what what makes it so unwieldy because all this stuff is happening, you know, kind of at once, right? Even the playoff expansion, you know, uh, USC and UCLA on the move. Um, it's it's a lot, right? But I still think, you know, because you're going to have some issues where, like, TV numbers are good, attendance numbers are a little bit, a little bit leaky in some places, right? You know, maybe that means that the SEC is going to have to, you know, buckle up and go, go do what they don't want to be told to do. That they may need to play nine conference games, and you know, the bottom of that league that'll affect them. But I still think it's football and. You know, I watched you last weekend and, and on TV doing another league, and I just think the appetite for football is still so robust that it's going to be something that, you know, I just don't think they can screw it up that much that it's going to turn the game away, you know? Like, it, it, it may be different, right? You know, you see the idea that, Charlotte, the Charlotte 49ers are going to be in an NBC national game against Maryland. It's like, what? But, again, there, there is just, you know, it's so much bigger than than college basketball and any of these other, other sports beyond the NFL that I still think, you know, there'll be some adjustment and there'll be, you know, coaches are going to be having to, re, you know, the coaches are venting a lot about how, you know, it's all – kind of combustible and who do they turn to? Do they turn to Congress? Is this, you know, the NCA is useless and all this stuff. I think it still will succeed to some degree in spite of itself. Hey, Bruce, before we let you go here, I'll take a shot in the dark. I have no idea where this question is going to go and you may just say no, but did you get to see any of the Seahawks draft picks uh, at any point last year, Devin Witherspoon uh, at Illinois or, um, or Jackson oh, Smith knows, and Jigba? Oh, he knows Jackson Smith and Jigba like the back of his hands. Bruce, yeah, Bruce is I, so I, dialed I in. Out of Ohio State. Um, in fact, I think our buddy on the other end of this call, we saw them just destroy Maryland and, you know, like on a, I don't know, in Columbus a couple of years ago. Right. And, um, I love those picks, right? I think Devin Witherspoon, I did a story for The Athletic where I talked to uh, a lot of coaches who had faced each of the you know top 50 guys or whatever they were. And coaches raved about Devin Witherspoon more than they did Christian Gonzalez, more than they did any of these other bigger corners. And it was funny, one of the guys I talked to who's a Big Ten assistant 
talked about him like he was Patrick Peterson's size. And I was like, you know, and, and this was like probably a week after I had got back from the combine. I was like, you know, he only measured in at like 5'11 and change and like 180-something. And he was like, really, that's it? He goes, that guy is an animal. And just the respect that people had for him, how he plays, as well as, you know, I think it's not a good receiver group at all this year coming out. But I think Jackson Smith and Jigba by far was the guy. Like, I think he is the surest thing in this draft. I mean, you know, Brian Hartline had two guys the previous year, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, a 1,000-yard rookies, and this guy's better than them. He's more the alpha. He's, you know, better change of direction. He's more physical. You know, I love what the Seahawks did with at the top of that. Top of that. Yeah, I, I think we all do as well. I mean, mm-hmm. it's been pretty fun watching these guys as rookies. And we talked to Derek Hall. I don't know if you ever met him when he was at Auburn. Oh my gosh, like a, the most impressive kid we've talked to in forever. So it's a, it's a pretty good time to be in Seattle and love your thoughts on the Huskies as well. Thanks, man. It's good to hear your voice. My pleasure. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Bruce. There you go. There's Bruce Feldman uh, of the Athletic and Fox Sports and. Yeah, it's nice to hear that he that I mean, certainly that's a positive take both on where the Huskies are, where they're going, uh, even the Pac-12 and where it's at. And then uh, after that, where the Seahawks are going with their first round picks. Yeah. I mean, all I heard was he was watching the broadcast Sunday. I appreciate that. Right. He's a USFL guy. Yeah. Yeah. He was a USFL guy. And just turns out that the QBs only broadcast was the highest rated broadcast. Wow. So what was the QBs only? What was that? It it was me, Clatt, and Devin Gardner. Just the three of us. So no traditional traditional play-by-play guy. The guy from Michigan? Oh, yeah. I remember Devin Gardner. Okay. Lives up there and and has been doing some of the sideline work when I'm not there in the USFL. He's on the, uh, yep. He's on a crew for, for Fox and college football. Fun guy. Entertaining guy. And I remember him as a player. He was a kind yeah. of a fun player. He was, yep, athletic. And, yeah, a little and, juice uh, to him. Yeah, a little bit of juice. Yeah, that is that is a reminder uh, that what you read in the headlines in this day and age, you just got to be very careful of that things get spun in every direction, right? That uh, Molly on our long walk was continuing to talk to me that, you know, in some ways I'm not cynical. Like you think I have gotten very cynical. Pretty maybe, cynical, yeah. Uh, maybe with the Mariners or I some mean, of our hometown teams. I more than you teams, used to be, yeah. But with people, not as much. Now you're more of a negative human. With people, I still continue to give them the benefit of the doubt. And that's where I need to trust my wife's intuition, uh-huh. which is much, much better than mine a lot of times. <laughs> And, you know, I don't know where I'm now going with this because I'm talking about my wife and her intuition. Right. But you just got to be careful of, well, yeah, they're doomed. Oh, back 12 is done. Oh, they're going to they're gonna blow apart. Oh, yeah, they're going to leave. Oh, it's over. Oh, they've got no money. Oh, nobody wants them. And then remember, like, hold on a second. You know, if, and it's, you know, still a significant if, if they can keep Utah, who has been a perennial power in college football the last five, what Kyle Williams built is real. Oregon. In their brand and their billions of dollars with Nike, Washington that has a history. All right. and I mean, you, yes, Brock, they, they can do and, something. Oh, and by the but, way, Stanford but, that just won the director's. But cup you can't and, tell me that this is what it was with USC and UCLA. I mean, like, there's still nope. some reality that you got to recognize. A hundredfold, absolutely. Uh, there's no question about it. There will also be some reality for USC and UCLA. Mm. You know, when their women's soccer team goes to play at Rutgers. And, you know, when, when Maryland swim teams got to come across country and then they got to go play, you know, the bottom half of the Big Ten and Purdue's and Indiana's that are not good, you know, the, these schools that aren't good. So, yeah, the, the very top end of that is awesome. But then the reality for a lot of their programs and their student athletes whom I've talked to and some of those other coaches is like, this is a nightmare. I mean, this can be a nightmare for UCLA basketball and USC basketball, men's and women's travel across the country yeah. all the time. 
right? I mean, football, yeah, you got four or five road trips. Okay, and a couple of those are longer trips. Okay, not a problem. You know, go play 30 basketball games. Go play and, and go have eight road trips across the country in different time zones. Like, so, you well, know, I didn't say it was going to work well for USC or UCLA, but right. they're not going to be here regardless, right? Nope. So, you know, th- that's still the Los Angeles market. USC is still the big dog in this conference 100%. in terms of eyeballs, et cetera. 100%. So, yes. yeah, we'll, we'll see. I, I don't know, man. I, I'm, and as far as UW, a legitimate playoff contender? Good. That'd be awesome. That would be really fun, man. I really hope that's the case. Penix is a blast. Absolutely a blast to watch. So I, I really hope that ends up being true. And Kalen DeBoer seems like a pretty easy guy to root for as well. So, you know, put those two things together and and I could absolutely get behind what that will look like moving forward for the Huskies. All right. Quick piece of uh, breaking news here, Brock. And then uh, I got a question for you. Uh, Bob Nightingale. So take it for what it's worth. Reporting. Tough news for the Astros who are already without Jose Altuve for two months. Still don't have Michael Brantley. And now are without Jordan Alvarez. Four to six weeks targeting late july did you see some of that scuttlebutt they asked dusty baker did you see any of those some of their beat writers had asked dusty baker about an update and uh an mri that he was getting and dusty's like yeah i can't talk about it and they're like "Uh, what do you mean you can't talk about it yeah hipaa what all (laughs) of a sudden hipaa all of a sudden hipaa all of a sudden now all of a sudden hipaa all of a sudden he tried to quote hipaa and he's like yeah hipaa you gotta go talk to the trainer and the trainer but they don't make the trainer's Talk. Oh, open to the media. Talk right, to. Yeah. Oh, come on, Dusty. Well, because he got himself in trouble with the whole Brantley thing where he's like, yeah, it's not a setback. He's just right. not working anymore. Like, right, what? Right. So things are weird right now in Houston, that's for sure. And, you know, again, maybe that makes it even more frustrating that you haven't, you know, beaten down the door that was kicked open for you. But, you know, in the long run, no, this wasn't supposed to be a wild card team. This is a team supposed to challenge for the division. But if they make the wild card and end up winning from there, what, are you going to be mad? Well, this so, division tells now, me you'll be okay. I mean, I just took a little look at this division. You saw the Angels back-to-back nights get after the Rangers. Yep. The Rangers have now lost three in a row. That double digits down to, to eight. You win today. You know, the Angels sweep away the Rangers. It's seven. And all of a sudden, you know. You're like, back in it. Maniac. Many of those voices that have been around this game yep. for decades say, yep. be careful. Be careful jumping off in May and June because it's a long season. Baseball does seem to have a way, I've mentioned this before, of, okay, I'm patient. I'm being patient. I'm being patient. Hold. I can wait. I can wait. Hold. I'm being patient. I'm losing my patience, but I'm hold. trying to hold on. I'm tr- I'm work. I'm be. I'm being patient, but it's not easy. All right, I'm out. Oh, now you're good. Thanks. Really appreciate that. What's the matter with you? Like, it's unbelievable how often it will happen to a baseball team. Yep. Like, you feel like you've gone two, three, four weeks past the patience point, yep. and that you're safe. Sure. And then you're not. And then you're a guy that may be just wired in a way. Like I'm, I'm not. I'm not saying you are, but you may just be a guy that's wired in a way that when you're patient and patient, you want maybe some others to be patient, right? And some other fans that are right. the most irrational yes. and impatient, yes, start to finally, you know, bother you a little bit. You know what's funny? <laughs> Mariners have uh, played well over here over the last week. I've gotten no text messages from anyone in the uh-huh. "I hate the Mariners" text thread right. that seems to text me all the time. Sure. Yeah. I haven't heard from your buddy, Steve. Uh-huh. I haven't heard from Travis. Yeah. I haven't heard from Joe. Like, none of them text me when the Mariners start playing well. So I don't right. know what the deal is with that. Maybe right. they're just trying to fire me up or, <laughs> or whatever. But I always tell the story of my buddy, Mike, uh, who I met at Sonny McLean's in Boston. He's still in my phone as Mike Barr. I mean, we were, like, at each other's weddings, but that's still how he's listed in my phone because I didn't know his last name when I first knew him. He was just the guy from the bar, Mike. Nice. And we used to watch Red Sox games and stuff together. And in 2004, he gave up. 
He finally gave up. He's like, I'm 27 years old. I've been watching this team my whole life. I'm done. I'm out. I give up. I'm not watching them anymore. I'm no longer a Red Sox fan. I am an Angels fan. And I was like, well, that's filthy. Like, I totally understand why you would leave the Red Sox, but going to the Angels is just despicable. And he's like, nope, I'm out. I am no longer a fan. I am done. I am an Angels fan. (laughs) All right, dude. Like, whatever. Of course. Where was he for the World Series? <laughs> yeah, they break the 86-year curse <laughs> so just a couple fault. months later. But that's what baseball is, man, right? It takes you all the way to that yep. breaking point where you're like, I just can't do it anymore. I, I, I tried, and it's it's just breaking my heart one mm. too many times. And, and as soon as you say it out loud, everything turns around. And if you think it's hard as a fan, Ugh. Amplify it a million fold for those players that go through it too. A Cal Raleigh that's an O for twenty one, and I stink, and I can't do this. I mean, I got to keep plugging along, and I got to keep doing my job, and I got to keep believing in the process. I got to ple- keep believing in what got me here. And then all of a sudden, you hit a three run jack last night, yeah. and and it may just turn. I, I got to give Scott a lot of credit again. I I think the fact that he I seem to have identified an issue, come up with a solution, and now is implementing it. That's kind of what you're looking for out of your skipper. They're not going to, as, as you've heard from literally every baseball expert who's who we've had on the show, they don't flip tables anymore and scream at players. That's not part of the game anymore. It literally doesn't happen. But you heard a little accountability in the media, right? You heard the we're unfocused conversation. You heard about what they did behind the scenes to change some of their messaging, which is putting it on the coaches, not the players. We're not messaging it correctly. Let us try it to do it in a new way. Mm-hmm. And what's happened? Over the last week, they've had a better approach at the plate. Over the last two, three games, they've played better in the field and and, and on the base paths. They got to do that, as Scott said last night, for a lot longer than two games or one week to yeah. really make it real. But they're they're actually doing it. So good, good on them. And if they can continue to play that kind of baseball, they're going to be in much better shape than certainly we thought at the beginning of this week. All right, coming up next, Brock, uh, one team seems happy. Their competitors do not. Will it matter? That's next. Brock and Salk, Sales Sports on 710, salesports.com.